I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honour to be here and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Hey Doug! Doug! Oh, that's right, Doug's dead. Pop Culture Pasta Okay, Cody, um, I have a question for you before we start the podcast in earnest here. Um, you know what? Let's just start the podcast before I get to the question. I am thrown off by this <laughs> because I have a feeling we'll talk about this for a while. So I don't, I change my mind. We're just going to start the podcast. Then we'll get to the cold open. We usually do. Okay. Does that make sense? We usually do a cold open. That's what they, that's what they call it in the biz. Um, Saturday night live does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we're not gonna we're gonna do it this time because we'll talk too long. So this is Pop Culture Pastor, the podcast. The podcast. My name is Dave. That's Cody. We are pastors and we are lovers of pop culture. And we both preached recently. We did. We preached on a Sunday. The show in the yeah. biz. We call <laughs> the show in the biz. Uh, <laughs> um, some show notes here. I should tell you we're gonna be at. Fountain City Con. What? Uh, uh, if you don't know, folks that listen, we show up to comic conventions all the time. It's like something we like to do and come hang out with our peoples. Invite us to your con if we have not been there, please. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Fountain City Con on August 5th and August 6th. That's in Kansas City. I actually think it's technically in Gardner, like Olathe, the Olathe area. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So... Don't have to cross the river. No, 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 no. It's not in Kansas City, Kansas City. It's just in the greater metro area somewhere. Sweet. Uh, but we'll be there. Fountain City Con, August 5th and 6th. So, you know, come see us. We're going to have all new, uh, you know, prizes and freebies to give out. So, yeah, it should be a good time. You might even get a rocket chew. <laughs> oh, you're going to give away the rocket chew? Potentially. Okay. He 3D printed a Rockachu, which is it's a Pikachu with the head of the rock. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's only slightly disturbing. There's way too many ears. <laughs> okay. Okay, now back to the cold open. I was going to ask you a question. Okay. And I know you're married now. Yes. But when you were dating, <sighs> did you ever give the any of the girls you dated... Uh, a list of things that you were like boundaries for you. Um, I.e. no surfing with men <laughs> or do not post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit or uh, inappropriate friendships with men. So just for example, just, just as an example. Okay. So like in a physical list, no, um, like do you now so when i was of dating age i was already either a pastor or was on my way to becoming a pastor so okay. that was kind of always at the forefront mm -hmm. and so like i think that naturally set limits and guidelines yeah um uh, for for potential relationships and so um like I never actually ever said that. Like, but they knew you had boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a little fun with this. I'm in a unique situation compared to like 
most of the listening audience. Cause I think if you date someone that's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to become a pastor that like immediately triggers either flags or like, Oh, well this guy's not going to go to the pub crawl. <laughs> well, maybe I will, but I'll be the DD. Um, <laughs> I will crawl to the first one. I'll make and sure you guys don't get hurt. The rest of the way, it's waters. <laughs> um, no, it's I, I'm in a weird situation with this sort of stuff, too, because uh, my dating life, when I meet my wife, occurs before I'm uh, a Christian. So obviously now I have different thoughts and views on how it would be best to date. And I say it would be best because... I'm not, I don't like using words should, you should yeah. do this or you could, because I know that everyone's out there living their own lives. And if you don't, if you don't read the Bible, you don't believe in any of that, then there's no reason for you to should or could do that. Right. Yeah. You just out there living and that's fine. And I respect that. Um, but I will say, I think there's some things uh, about the way we approach dating that are good for a relationship that you can do. Um, the reason I bring this all up because Jonah Hill, uh, you know Jonah Hill? I do. Jonah Hill of uh, Superbad. 21 Jump Street. Various other comedies. And of course, uh, kind of famously uh, was nominated for an Oscar for Hardball. Was it Hardball? Hardball or Moneyball. Moneyball. That's it. Not Hardball. Hardball's, hardball's with Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> Moneyball. I meant Moneyball. Both are baseball movies, but one's a lot sadder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that Moneyball isn't sad. Because <laughs> uh, if you're a fan of the Oakland A's, it's probably pretty sad. Burn. <laughs> that was a sports joke. Most of our listeners didn't get that. Um, but anyways, Jonah Hill, who looks quite different now, by the way. Have you seen Jonah Hill lately? Uh, so I have, but that's because I watched the documentary that he made about his uh, psychologist. Mm. So he's lost weight. He has. Um, and he's like prone to, he got a ta huge tattoo on his chest and he's prone to wearing a lot of low dropping V-necks now and showing off the, the hairy chest and the tat. As one does. He dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. He, he just did a whole makeover thing. Anyways, big news this past week, at least on Twitter and social media, was his ex-girlfriend, um, a surfer. That was the whole thing about surfing, by the way. A surf instructor. Sarah Brady. Um, she just like decided she was going to go scorched earth on him. She said she was waiting till after she, so he has a girlfriend now that he just had a baby with. Mm. And she like, I, I don't know if it was to save face because maybe she was getting some negativity about releasing it at all. It's, given that their relationship's over and they both moved on. Yeah. It that's was, weird. It was weird, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, but she said she waited until after their baby was born <laughs> to drop all of this. And uh, she basically shared a bunch of texts. And so let me, let me read you this main text that was going around. This was a text that Jonah Hill sent to Sarah Brady when they were dating. Plain and simple. If you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, uh, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, 
friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, then I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. Okay. So what are your thoughts? Just, just off the top. So honestly, his message sounds like something a therapist would tell him to do. Yeah. That if you are struggling with like, cause I do know that he suffers with anxiety. Mm-hmm. He, he literally has canceled all like press stuff for movies. He just shows up in at the red carpet and walks right on through. He doesn't stop to do interviews anymore um, because of his anxiety. That if you have anxiety, that you have racing thoughts, that if there are things that make you uncomfortable, ah, there should be a conversation. Like, hey, these are things that are bigger items that I don't know if I can work through on my end. And so if there's something that's important to you and more important than our relationship, then I support you. You do you. I want what's best for you. That's what I, well, that's what I picked up. Now the rest of the internet, cause I saw this yeah. earlier. It blew up on Twitter especially. And it got ugly. And I'm like, okay, if I'm not reading his, his text, this particular text, there was multiple text, but this particular one with a snarky, demanding tone, like I'm trying to have empathy with him because he literally states if this is something that you need or that you want to do, that it's part of your career, it's part of your life, go do it. He literally says, go do it. Yeah, right. And then he's like, but for me, if you want this to be a relationship that lasts, we 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 got to stop. Yeah. And so I mean, again, it, it goes back to that uh when you asked me about like my dating rules and stuff. If you were to date me back then, you would not be someone if you start doing tarot card readings out of your house and having Wicca groups meet. <laughs> yeah, we probably aren't going to last because we'll have to have a meeting, a discussion about like, hey, this is like my belief. This is something that's important to me, vital to me. If it's something that's vital to you that you do these things, then great, but we can't, it's not going to work. We don't have the same value system. We don't have the same perspective on some big items in my view. Yeah. As a pastor, I'm actually trained in premarital counseling and I had to take a course and what you're supposed to do with your premarital folks who want to get married is do exactly what he just said in the text is you're trying to find out your, your buttons basically. And, and, and knowing your, your spouses or your future spouses, um, uh, anxieties and stresses and triggers and everything about them, um, that doesn't like 
you know, that doesn't always line up with yours so that you can pay special attention to those areas. Right. Because that's what love is, is like you're, you're taking your brokenness and attaching it to someone else's brokenness. So you, you understand that you're going to have to navigate each other's brokenness. Yes. And so what he's doing on the surface, uh, I was, I, I, I saw the, the blowback first. I saw mm-hmm. all the people going crazy saying he was controlling or whatever on Twitter. And then when I came across the text, I was like, wait, this is it. This is, this is what he said. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean like, look here, let me bottom line it. Does it seem like he's going to be a simple dude to have a relationship with? No, no. no. Like, why would you date a surf instructor if right. you don't want her instructing men, which would be 50% of her clientele at least. And then also like, her her job is going to be her in a bathing suit quite a bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm not sure how this lasted as long as it did. Why yeah. didn't why she didn't just balk at it from the beginning? That could now like look, then you're getting into some man woman uh problems in our culture type stuff mm-hmm. that she may have tried to do something she knew she couldn't do for a while put up with it, you know, and then, and then piled all that stress and anxiety on her. She just, you just took it off of him and piled on her. So like, look, there's a discussion to be had there, but in the long run, I was just like, well, you know, most dudes that have these kind of control issues aren't going to be that nice about it. (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to get a text saying like, Oh, here's some boundaries I struggle with. Right. Um, like, I'm glad that from the way it looks like this was just primarily through like messaging that there wasn't like anything physical violence, which is where like control issues do sometimes end up. And so I'm glad that there's none of those allegations or anything that it's just like, Oh, he was so demanding about my career and okay. Like, there's multiple ways to read into the text and coming, depending on where you're coming from in your own life. Um, for me, I, I feel like I was taking it at face value. But if I had come from the perspective of uh, growing up in a household where women were being held back, um, I might champion her side. Um, and completely trash him or vice versa and champion his side and completely trash her where I think uh, the only real issue I have is that she even released it. Like, cause yeah. now that he's in a relationship where he has a kid um, and you have moved on, like it just seems weird to bring it up. And uh, she didn't just bring it up. Like it was a dump. Yeah, Like she made lots of Instagram story posts. I mean, like literally at least 20 and it's, yeah, that's weird. When you both moved on, like, it just seems like you're being, uh, what's the word I want to use? I don't want to say spiteful, uh, but it's definitely, um, seemed retro. Uh, I don't want to see, I don't want to use the word revenge either, because that would imply she still has some sort of feelings. Mm. Honestly, um, She's just going with the culture because the, the culture is, is like, if you can be a victim, you can get attention. Yes. And so she was painting herself as a victim and like, look, we don't know all the information she could be. Uh, and I don't think she did anything wrong 
in the context of our culture. She's just going with the culture. Yeah. And she got a lot of attention for it and that's fine. And maybe she really has some anxiety and stress that came from the whole situation. And that is quite possible because when at least one person in the relationship has stress and anxiety, they're going to burden some of that upon their partner whether advertently or inadvertently. Yeah. And so if this was such like a huge deal for him that it could have been uh, carried out in the way like his vocal tones, his demeanor, like the when and how they went on dates. And so, yeah, there could definitely be some residual effects from it. Same time, like, I don't know if, like, blasting it to the whole public is necessarily the best idea, but to each their own. Yeah. And so, like, again, uh, not knowing the whole story, if you're just giving me this text, I'm like, oh, he's saying this is what I need, and if this is something that doesn't work for you. I, I really wish you the best. Yeah. And uh, honestly, that was probably, uh, the, that was the longest text to share. There were other ones that didn't sound quite so civil that I could have shared too. Uh, so I acknowledge that as well. And I would say to like, I don't know Jonah Hill, but if I was Jonah Hill's pastor, if I'm his counselor, I would say who he just, he just had a child with his girlfriend and like pastorally, I'm like, okay, Jonah, <laughs> um, but what I would say to him is like, Hey, you know, now that you had a kid, you can take all those boundaries and throw them out the window because now you got to be around, right? Yeah. Now you got to be in some sort of relationship with this woman. If you want to be a dad. Now I know culture says you don't have to be married, but, um, or even together, but you're going to have to be around, right? If you want to be a dad. So now your boundaries, some of them might get infringed upon. Like, look, I'm married. I have four kids. Can I say that some of my boundaries like had to go away? That's fair. Yeah. And yeah, now there's a, a whole life that depends upon you and this other person. Yeah. And so, um, I, the one thing I wanted to know and I guess it's more, I guess, the gossip nature within me, but also kind of the inner religion study guy within me. Does his Jewish faith have anything to do with his boundaries that he was trying to set up? Or was it more insecurity-based? Is and he practicing? Is he a practicing Jew? That was my other question. They didn't show any of that in the documentary? Um he talked a little bit about it, but it wasn't a whole lot. And yeah. it was primarily focused on his therapist, but they would, he would ask the therapist questions and every once in a while, the therapist would turn it around on him because he's a therapist. So yeah. it's weird because like, it's the same thing with Christians. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but, but like by and large, in fact, we get, you know, when someone knows, finds out we're a pastor, we might get hit with some of the stray bullets, the stray, you know, attacks. Oh, Christians do this and Christians do that. I was like, well, yeah, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that maybe aren't practicing, 
it's just the thing that you call yourself when you're a conservative person in this country, you know, like, um, so, and Jewish, Jewish people are the same way. So like Israel, for instance, has the largest secular population they've had in quite some time. Uh, they're not less practicing Jewish people and Jewish is a, like, it literally is a, a it's a religion. It's not, uh, if people aren't aware, it's not like a racial uh, uh, designation. It's both. Is it both? It's both. Okay. Explain that to me then. Because you can be an atheist Jewish person. Um, and how does that work? It's a nationality. It's a racial component, like literally on a census where it is Caucasian, African American, Hispanic. I would say, is it on those things for their protection? Because they have a history of being, um, you know, persecuted. Um, because like when you're just thinking about it, it doesn't make sense for it to be, um, a racial designation, right? No. Unless, unless you're from the, you know, first century um, <laughs> from the land of Judea. Cause that's where the name comes from. Yes. Um, but no, I, th- I think there's multiple reasons, but that's too complex. Yes. I don't want to get into that. Uh, anyways, Jonah Hill has, has rules. He does have rules. He's like a gremlin. Don't feed him after midnight. Uh, Britney Spears got in the news this last week, too. Britney's back. Britney's back. (laughs) She's getting slapped. No, really, she got slapped, allegedly. So the the first round pick, the first pick in the NBA draft. Wimby. Victor Wimbanyama. Am I saying that right? But we call him Wimby. Wimby? Okay. He was apparently in Vegas. Dude's like 7'4". And he was surrounded by his entourage, I guess, and his security detail. And Britney Spears saw uh, Victor rolling through, I guess, the casino or wherever she was at. And she decided she was going to go up and say hello. As one does. She's being friendly. Yeah. And allegedly she put her hand on his shoulder or tapped his shoulder, something... The security guard whips around and she says, slapped him, slapped her. And it's this whole thing happened. <laughs> leave Brittany alone. Right, well, they leave Brittany alone. Um, Brittany got slapped and then it started off this whole thing. Like she called the cops. Um, oh, Brittany. No, no you don't think <laughs> was that wasn't worthy of calling the police? no. She, uh, she's upset. Now she wants a public apology because she got some backlash. The internet is not winning by the way. So you got the Jonah Hill stuff where the internet kind of reacted extremely to that text dump by his ex-girlfriend. And then they reacted pretty extremely to Britney Spears with some people saying she should have got slapped. Some, one of the people, one of the ladies on the view said she should have got slapped. And I'm just like, whoa, I mean, come on. (laughs) Whoa, no one deserves to get slapped for touching someone on the shoulder. Um, Side note, the view, people say dumb things on the view because that's literally why they're a show. If you're on the view, your, your whole show is based on saying something that'll get clicks. So it encourages you to say more and more 
extreme things. It does. It's um, much like the internet. So this was a story in the Havland household. Um, I saw it first and I was like, she knows who Wimby is? That was my initial response. No, she had no idea. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then my uh, wife was like, I just watched the video. And there's video? There's video. Oh, wow. Um, which afterwards, evidently, she says, this is what you get when you, you come to America or become a citizen of America. And I'm like, I you get hit? I don't, nah, know. I don't know. Um I don't know what she's trying to say. But but it's it is toxic. Um which is a good Britney Spears song. Um <laughs> baby, she got hit one more time. That's actually a ballot phone call. Oh, okay. Um but no. So evidently her husband knew who Wimby is. Um but I saw the police report and this oh my goodness. I, I chuckled and I felt bad. I, I think if you're about to say what you're going to say, this is the part I found hilarious as well. But go ahead. I'll let you say it. So the security guard who's allegedly slapped her pushes her hand back and she slaps herself. <laughs> that is what the Las Vegas Police Department came to the conclusion of. The police did conclude that Brittany was not slapped by the security guard but rather they pushed her arm away when she reached for him, resulting in her arm launching back and hitting herself. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it's just so, it's so us. It's so American in so many ways. It's it, interesting to note, Wemben Yama not from here. No, he's from France. Yeah, he's not an American citizen. And so like, how, like is there any way he could be introduced to America any better? Then Britney Spears coming up to touch you unwarranted. Like, like, look, she reached for him. That's in the police report. He had his back to her. She reached for him. The security guard sees it, does his job, pushes her arm away. I'm sure if you talk to the security guard, it's like, it wasn't my intention to slam, push her arm into her own face. <laughs> but that's what happened. And then Brittany goes on the rampage on her social media. She calls the cops and the dude is <sighs> seven, four or seven, five. Oh, you're going to go the opposite. You're going to play the opposite side. Here, and aren't you? You're going to go contrarian and literally, no, I'm going to say like, you shouldn't touch him. This oh, dude okay. might be made of glass. Like all seven <laughs> footers are, you don't touch them. <laughs> Please do not breathe on Yao Ming. He might shatter. Um, Literally, Shaq was the only one that seemed indestructible, and towards the end of his career, he had all the foot injuries. Yeah, Shaq was Shaq's a lot like uh, was a lot like LeBron in a lot of ways, where he was just a physical freak. Yeah. Otherwise, like Joel Embiid didn't play for the first two years of his career. Yao Ming seemed to be always hurt. Uh, Sean Bradley. Yeah. Move slow, and now he's George Marison. Um, was lovely in my giant, he was, <laughs> and did a great Snickers commercial. Um, look that one up, kids. Oh man, but, okay, yeah, don't that, touch Wimby, don't touch Wimby, Brittany. Do you think you are Brittany? 
Um, honestly, I did feel bad for her because like it must be hard for her because now she's kind of like a joke. And I don't like that. People, when they, and what I mean is when she gets reported on, it's like she's a joke or she needs help, but we're just, mm-hmm. instead of helping her, we're going to laugh at her. And that's not cool. No. That's not cool. Now, like you thinking you got slapped and you hitting yourself, that I will chuckle a little bit at. And yeah. then I will be like, I'm sorry, Brittany. I yeah. feel bad for it. it. I laugh at that for sure. But then it becomes a little less funny when I realize that she may be dealing with some mental issues. That whole thing with her dad, like, I think we can see both sides of that now. Mm-hmm. That her dad may not be the best person in the world, Ovs. And also, she might need some help. But So, I do find it interesting that both stories that we've talked about so far, mental health is in the background. Yes. Um, and whether like mental health is being addressed, is being taken into consideration, um, is being used as an excuse or a crutch. Um, all these things are kind of playing out in, in a very public way, and I don't know, like, what it says necessarily about us yet. Yeah. It's interesting, though. It is. I think mental health maybe is at an all-time high. We're suffering from, a, like, would we could we call our mental health situation a, a pandemic in and of itself, an epidemic right now? I in do the know States. within the state of Kansas, it's at a crisis level that um, the governor signed multiple things for increase uh, for agencies to be able to uh, hire on therapists, uh, having more access to crisis services and um, trying to get mental health in schools. And so um, all these things I think are definitely needed and beneficial. And if it's happening in Kansas, um, you can be pretty safe in saying it's happening throughout a lot of the United States. And so um, I definitely don't think the the pandemic helped us with our mm. mental health. Um, if anything, it probably hurt it significantly and people forgot how to communicate and interact politely with each other in real life yeah. and online. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, you know, you don't have to suffer with that. If you're listening to this and you're someone where you feel like your stress and anxiety is just kind of in the pressure of it all is building and building and building and building. Um, go, go talk to someone, go, go find anyone, even if it's like a pastor or a therapist or anybody like just go talk to someone because, um, just maybe even getting that out there, talking to someone can relieve some of that pressure. And um, we care about you. National Suicide Hotline, text and phone number 988. Yeah. So don't don't suffer all by yourself because whether you know it or not, you, you may think that nobody cares, but people do. There's people out there that care. And we're two of them. We are. Um, Green Lantern had a, quite a week. Yeah. <laughs> DC's back. Well, you know, maybe about a few days back, you were sending me stories that allegedly the rumor was that Tom Cruise 
was set to be the Hal Jordan Green Lantern in the new James Gunn verse. Jimmy Gunn. And um, now he has come out and since denied that, James Gunn, and also said that Nathan Fillion will be playing Guy Gardner Green Lantern in the Superman movie. Also, Mr. Terrific is in that movie. Also, Metamorpho is in that movie. Who isn't in the movie? (laughs) Well, I have concerns, Cody. I don't. (laughs) Like, it sounds like, what are we doing? Are we putting together, you know, a Peacemaker-styled Superman movie? We're just going to have all these, like, weird little characters. Mr. Terrific's actually a really cool character. I'm down with that. Uh, But Metamorpho, bro. Um, So... There's a way it can be done where I don't think you get a lot of any of them that like they're kind of they're more of a cameo, more of a cameo Easter egg. Um, and maybe like at the end, a post credit spinoff. Yeah. Um, but I was excited by all this. I'm not super psyched by Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. Well, I think he's my least favorite Green Lantern. I think that you have Guy Gardner as, especially if it's just something that's a brief introduction to the Green Lanterns. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have Nathan Fillion. I don't want to be rude to Nathan Fillion. (laughs) Um you don't have him be like your lead actor in a movie, in a box office movie anymore. He's not that that guy, that caliber, but hey, he's great. He's amazing in Bones. That's not the show. <laughs> or is it? No, that's not the show. It was Castle. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm sorry. Because him and David Boreanaz, or whatever his name is, they're pretty much the same dude. <laughs> they are not. How dare you? I just made all of our Bones fans mad. <laughs> Sorry. How dare you? Sorry. He was on Buffy. <laughs> Emily Deschanel fans. Um, <laughs> that was fun. It, I had a good time with that one. Thank you. <laughs> I was so offended for all of our Bones fans. But I will say, like, so if you have him in kind of like what he did for Guardians of the Galaxy, that he's he was th- good in that. there for a brief moment of humor mm-hmm. in that uh, even if he's like a mentor Green Lantern in the Green Lanterns movie or series, hey, that works great. Like you don't, he's not going to be like the focal green lantern. Yeah. And if it's going to be like guardians of the galaxy, you have all these characters, but yet very few of them actually get time to shine. They're just kind of off in the background. Let me, let me let you a little in on me and my Superman fandom. Okay. Normally I am of the opinion in a superhero movie, especially a superhero that's been done quite a bit that just skip the origin story. We don't need the origin story. Batman comes to mind with that. We don't need to see Batman's origin again. Rest in peace, Thomas and Martha. We've seen Thomas and Martha die countless times. I will draw the line at one character, and that is Superman. I think Superman's origin and growing up are the most intriguing and fascinating thing about his character, um, where he is uh, uh, basically a foster child. 
and and he's being taught and then he finds out he's something different and then he has to glom these pieces of himself together to form his what will be his identity. I actually think that's the most fascinating thing about Superman is when he's Superboy. But that's just me. And so I'm a little nervous about all the you know, doing an initial movie where Superman legacy is the first one and your new universe. And there's like 20 characters in it. I'm a little nervous, but it, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. James Gunn has not led me astray. Okay. In movies yet. We'll see. Are we, are we recording all this? We need to cut all this clip, all this just to keep it. When this movie turns out to be a giant bomb, we can just replay these clips of you <laughs> professing faith and James Gunn. And his gun averse, <laughs> the gun averse. All right, let's. Uh, that's all the news we got. Let's get to our main portion of the pod right after this. Welcome back. We are discussing here on Pop Culture Pastor this week, the main subject, hidden gems. Cody, would you like to explain what we mean by hidden gem? It seems self-explanatory, but let's go ahead and give the explanation for it. It's a diamond in the rough, if you will. Oh. That it is a hidden piece of glory that not everyone and their mom knows about, but they should. It's been buried underneath the rubble of the pop culture chaos. Yeah. And that happens sometimes. It does. Like the big Lebowski comes to mind. Oh, man. When it first comes out, it's a hidden gem. Yeah. Yeah, kids, I remember seeing Big Lebowski at Liberty Hall in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where like all the independent art house type movies went. Uh, smaller theater. And, uh, it, obviously not a lot of people went and saw that when it came out, but loved it immediately. And that was one of those movies where every time I rewatched it, there was something I missed from the first time. Uh, and it would get funnier and funnier, but that, yeah, that is a hidden gem of a movie. Yes. Not so, for, not for you kids. No, um, <laughs> lots of vulgar language. So that was my example of a hidden gem. Yeah. I would agree. Cohen, there's there's several Cohen Brothers movies in particular that I would call hidden gems before they blow up. Um, they blow up with Fargo, and everyone's heard of Fargo. Oh yeah, but you may not have heard of a movie called Raising Arizona, mm -hmm. which uh, my friends and I loved when we were kids. It had Nick Cage. That is cageiest. Yeah, and it was a comedy about a guy who escapes from prison. Uh, John Goodman's in it. Lots of your Cohen uh, brothers, stalwarts, some of their partners in crime, if you will. But yeah, yeah, definitely Cohen brothers movies uh, fit that bill. Um, do you want to go first and and tell us what category you're going to be in? Okay, I'm going off the beaten path. Oh, awesome! This these are the best ones. I'm so excited for this reality show. Oh. You didn't even see that coming. I don't even like reality shows most of the time. Yeah, me either. Um, but this one was really, really, really good. I have to look up and see what the streaming service is. Uh, yeah, you give, can me, only... give me the name. I think I know where you're going with this. 
Go ahead and give me the name because I got something to say. It is called Jury Duty. Okay. On Freebie. Now, in Amazon Prime. I'd never heard of Freebie, but Amazon Prime, that's better. So when you <laughs> told me about this, I thought, you're nuts. I'm nuts. First of all, it sounded like the Joe Schmo show. A little bit. It's the same vein where someone is not in on that, the, the, the conceit, which is everyone's an actor. It, so what it felt like was a real-life version of the Truman Show. But I will say... Uh, since I doubted you telling me it the first time, I have since seen four to five of my friends on social media say how good it was. Yeah. So you, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it sounds like you were right. Okay. So there is one big person in this. Mm-hmm. His name, Jimmy Marsden. Yeah. James Marsden. <laughs> Cyclops. <laughs> Somehow, James Marsden, it like executive produces and stars in this uh, reality show. So the person who's not in on it, so what? It's basically he's got jury duty. Yes. except it's all a sham, but he doesn't know it. And James Marsden is he like as himself is on the jury. Yes. So he's an alternate for the jury, and like it's his fault. It's James Marsden's fault that they all get, uh, what what's it called when they have to stay in the hotel and be. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's a good question. I can't remember the word. There's a word for it. There's a fancy word for it that they basically have to quarantine away from all the public <laughs> and be secluded. Yeah, uh, but it's James Marsden's fault <coughs> that they have to do this, and he's not even a technical juror. He just causes them to to have this happen, and then chaos ensues. And like some of the show, they don't tell you what like will happen at the end until like the very end. And like you're like, what? He could have gotten this or that. Who knew? But no, it's hilarious. It's awkward. I'm here for it. I do like awkward. That's some of my favorite things to watch. I think that's why I like The Office so much. Oh, yeah. So if you are in need of reality um, that is staged reality and very upfront about the stagedness, I recommend going to Freebie uh, on Amazon Prime and watching Jury Duty. Mm, Okay. Put that on your list. Um, I'm going to go back in time for my TV show, uh, and I'm going to talk about a show called Jericho. Are, are you familiar with a show called Jericho? Um, Y2J, Chris Jericho. No, no, not the wrestler, <laughs> although he is quite entertaining. Very underrated. <laughs> I am talking about a TV show. Uh, it, let me just read the, the Wikipedia summary here. Jericho is a post, an American post-apocalyptic action drama television series, which centers on the residents of the fictional city of Jericho, Kansas, yeah, we made it. We made it. <laughs> uh, in the aftermath of a nuclear attack on 23 major cities in the contiguous United States. It was produced by CBS uh, with executive producers John Turtletop, Stephen Schabowski, and Carol Barbie. Uh, it ran from September 20th, 2006 to March 25th, 2008. It was canceled 
after its first full season. So basically the series starts with Skeet Oldrich, who goes back to his Kansas town he's from, western Kansas, small town. And while he's there, this nuclear attack happens. So this is where Skeet's career died. (laughs) (laughs) He was maybe not still riding high on that Scream uh, debut uh, in the movie Scream. But yeah, yeah, he's in this movie or this TV show. Um, Man, what I remember about it is the acting is not super good. Except for Skeet. (laughs) No, no, not if I'm being fair. The acting, uh, there's one guy who stands out. Uh, and the guy that on the cast that stands out is a guy named Lenny James, uh, who's a British actor, uh, uh, black guy, who was in The Walking Dead. Who he in this show he plays the mysterious guy who you you don't fully trust, and then he goes on to be the mysterious guy who you can't fully trust on The Walking Dead, <laughs> and uh, he's made a career off of being in our TV shows and that. But he's also in a lot of British films. He was in um, Snatch. He was very good in that. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah. He's a great actor, uh, but I didn't even know he was uh, I didn't even know he was British when I first saw this. I just knew him from this because his American accent is is fabulous. I knew he was British when I was watching The Walking Dead because they would do like Talking Dead afterwards. All right. Yeah. But you, you will agree. You would have no idea if you just heard him on oh, the yeah. show when he he's doing his American job. accent. Um. This show, Jericho, was canceled after its first full season. Uh, it, it ends on a cliffhanger at the end of season one, uh, where, like, the whole season they're building. So, like, what apparently this nuclear attack from the beginning, like, they're, they're cut off from information, right? So they don't know what's going on. The town has to band together and, and become, like, this unit so that they can survive in, in a new, um, like, place where there's not any fundamentally uh structure fundamental structures that normally keep us going uh, such as law and foundation things like that and so this town has to do it but and as the show goes along the the guy lenny james plays uh robert hawkins who's mysterious at first but then kind of joins forces with the townsfolk uh, he's in on the no, apparently, I think he's like maybe an ex CIA agent or something. Why he's in, is in this small town in Western Kansas when this all goes down unclear. Uh, but towards the end of season one, they start like approaching some of those answers. Then it ends on a cliffhanger where you're about to get a lot of answers and then they cancel the show. This was one of the first shows I remember where fan outcry got it renewed. For a second season, although a shortened second season, mm. that wasn't very good because <laughs> they started. They had to answer a bunch of questions in not very much time. Uh, we're still waiting for them to bring back Firefly, buddy. But uh, it is it ranked number eleven on TV Guide's top cult shows ever, and uh, I say it's deserving of that. The first season's great. It builds dread and it builds. Um, uh, not dread, but it builds uh, the suspense as well as it goes along. Because what you find out, you know, spoilers, is that maybe it wasn't an outside entity that attacked the United States. What? What? <laughs> not to ruin it for you. Go watch Jericho. It's it's good. And evidently, only like a season and a half. Starring Skeet Ulrich and Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Not although, the band. Although... 
it joins the uh, the long illustrious list of not showing Kansans in a great light uh, that were all like yokels. Did Smallville do that? Uh, well, Smallville was just weird because uh, they were all Canadian. And so, like, they were pretending to be Kansans, and the landscape was way too pretty. It was like, <laughs> this is clearly not filmed in Kansas. And then every once in a while, you know, you'd be watching Smallville, and that's supposedly in Kansas, and you'd have someone who's very Kansas-looking, and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> we don't talk like that. You get your soriness out of here. <laughs> okay, what's your next one? So I'll go, well... So I'm going to say two that almost made the list, but I think they're too big um, shows and they're comedy shows. Um, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson on Netflix. Like you will see memes and gifs from this show all the time. Okay. And I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's absurd. And it like, Oh, and it, it keeps going to like, like it'll go to the logical conclusion of a scenario and you're like, oh, this is so cringe, but I can't turn away. Um, but yes, like the the popular uh, skit uh, meme that's happening now from this past season is like he does the pay it forward thing at the drive-thru and then he circles around and he's like 55 hamburgers, 55 French fries, 55 large drinks. And like is trying to cash in on the rich person that is now ahead of him. Um, so I think you should leave. Um, that that's a great one. Oh, it's got the dude who played Edwin Akufu from Ted Lasso. Yes. He's in like probably five or six episodes. Very cool. Uh, I've uh, never heard of this. And then Nathan for you is another one that I, but this one is kind of a reality comedy show. Um, It's, oh my goodness. He, he's like this business school guy and he suggests these off the wall ideas. And like, sometimes the businesses do them. Sometimes they don't. He created dumb Starbucks and it like actually made the news and went viral. (laughs) And then it got shut down for uh, food and health regulation stuff. But so this is, that says it's a reality show. It's a comedy reality show. It I, it started on Comedy Central. Like Tom Green? Yes. You remember that? I do. <laughs> okay. So those two shows were too big for me. To okay. Put, All right. But fair. Honorable mentions. So I'm going to go with a Canadian show that they don't try to hide their soariness um, if you've watched the sci-fi channel, mm-hmm. you have seen a lot of bad acting and a <laughs> lot of bad stories, but this one was probably the best of the worst, um, lost girl. Huh. So it takes place about the time true blood in like Hemlock Grove on Netflix are happening. So it's trying to cash in on the supernatural beings and um, actually has some really good stories, actually has some really good supernatural things going on. And um, Oh, it is very true blood. I'm reading the, I'm reading the summary, the Wikipedia. And then it has 
my favorite Roberts in in the last season. <laughs> Eric Roberts. Yeah. That's, I literally <laughs> am looking at the cast list, and I don't recognize anybody until okay, I get to Eric Roberts. So Christopher Holden Reed, or Chris Holden Reed, as it says on here, he's been in some things. If you watch Vikings, he was in Vikings. Um, oh, Aaron Ashmore. Wasn't he an X-Men? Or was that his brother? He has a twin brother that looks just like him. And then... Uh, Do you think that gets old, by the way? No, I wasn't an X-Men. That was my brother. Sean Ashmore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Kesnia Solo, she was in Project Blue Book, if you were a History Channel show fan. Yeah, okay. So, yes, if you like the supernatural stuff... Um, it did try to get HBO y if you're reading between the lines here. Um, but it on could, the sci fi channel, really? It could only get as HBO y as sci fi would allow uh, at the, like okay. the 10 o'clock slot. Um, so interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it follows the succubus. And <laughs> you said that like it's so matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens uh-huh. in all the other fey or supernaturals. Interesting. So okay. if you're into that, you've watched so much more TV than I have. Like <laughs> I didn't, I've never heard of any of those shows. Sci-fi. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go to a movie next and like, listen, look, I'm going to stay right off the top. This movie made 263 million at the box office back in 1997. So it's not like this movie bombed or is out, was out of the public eye. I just don't feel like it gets recognized as as good of a movie as it actually is and as groundbreaking as it is. And that movie is The Fifth Element. Oh, so this is a movie I actually don't like that much. You don't like Fifth Element. Okay, I don't. Okay, well, tell me why. Um, like... Is it just too weird for you? No, because I literally just mentioned Lost Girl like it was. That's a pretty weird. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's a pretty weird show. I'm not gonna lie. So like, I've only seen it once and I didn't care for it. So I've never gone back and rewatched it. Oh wow! I think like so. It's got like this weird kind of vibe where it's an it's almost got like this art house vibe. Yes, but still bombastic like it. Like they were trying to combine them to make this like kind of bombastic popcorn flick, but yet it's still so wildly different than a lot of your popcorn type flicks. Um, it's got tons of characters or, or actors in this movie that are great. Uh, Mila Jovovich, this is like her first big role. Yeah, as she as was- Lilu. She was weird for me. Well, she's supposed to be weird. Well, I'm just saying she's she was literally an alien. She was weird for me. Chris Tucker was in this and he was fabulous. Gary Oldman was is always fabulous, but he's amazing in this movie as the bad guy. Um and and like Ian Holm, Ian Holm as is kind of a main character in this. Ian Holm who played uh Bilbo in the Lord of the Rings movies, the old Bilbo. Oh, that yeah. guy. Yeah, that's Ian Holm. Um, and Bruce Willis in this movie, in The Fifth Element, is almost like he's he, he gives like this subtle performance, which is very un-Bruce Willis. And knowing some of the things we know about Bruce Willis, where like, you know, back in his prime, he was kind of hard to work with. 
it's it's just amazing that they got this performance out of him that was kind of subtle. And it has everyone's favorite 90210 star, Luke Perry. It does. Rest in peace. Yeah. And so, like, it looks amazing. It was uh, directed by Luke Besson. Um, and, and it just has this kind of grunge, future grunge look to it. Uh, the performances are amazing all the way around. Plus, uh, Chris Tucker's hilarious in it. There's, like, real funny parts of this movie. When is Chris Tucker not funny? And so they make this, like, art house space opera thing. And it literally has a real space opera in it. Like there's a, a singing part in a in a a singer in a, in the movie, and to top it all off, it's got a great story and a great moral center to it. The whole point of the movie is is that uh, the corporate greed that uh, Gary Oldman's character represents is um is kind of the bad guy. And that's like the whole crushing thing of the movie. And there he's orchestrating this thing that will result in the destruction of the earth. And it is the love that Bruce Willis's character has for this girl who turns out to be the fifth element or the fourth element. Wait, am I getting that right? The fifth element. Um, it's, it's love that saves the day. And like, he has to convince her cause she's the one who can save the earth. And he has to convince her that humanity is worth saving because human humans love. It's a very good moral center to the story while being a crazy sci-fi just journey. Great movie. Maybe I should give it a second chance. You totally should give it another chance. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that that might be a, a diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with a movie that it got bombed on when it came out. And I actually enjoyed it. And now that we're years, and I mean we're years, years removed from it, like 16, um, people are coming around to it. And it's based on a book. This movie is called Stardust. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like this movie. I, Claire Danes? Yes, Claire Danes is in it. Robert De Niro? Bobby De Niro. Oh, oh it's only his close friends call him Bobby. <laughs> um, to win the heart of his beloved, Sienna Miller, a young man named Tristan, who's played by a one Charlie Cox. You didn't know Daredevil was in it. Yeah. Ventures into the realm of fairies to retrieve a fallen star. What Tristan finds, however, is not a chunk of space rock, but a woman, Claire Danes, named Yvonne. Uh, by the way, you remember when Sienna Miller was going to be like the big star? Oh, the yeah. The big up and coming star? Charlie Cox probably was the big and up and coming star. Now, looking back. At uh, she is in great danger for the king's son need her powers to secure the throne and an evil witch played by Michelle Pfeiffer's. That's, that is actually how you pronounce her name. <laughs> Wants to use her to achieve eternal youth and beauty. Um, this cast, I'm going to read off just a few names, and you tell me if you've heard of them. Claire Danes, Charlie Cox, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's in this. Michelle Pfeiffer, Ben Barnes. Oh, ben Barnes, yeah. Um, Ricky Gervais. Mark Strong. Peter O'Toole. 
Peter. Throw it down. This is the best cast of all time. Tell me this isn't the best cast of all time. Ian McKellen Lawrence is the of Arabia is in this movie. Yeah. yeah, and you have Ian McKellen doing the narration for it. Wow. Wow. That's kind of amazing. There, I forgot that this movie had all these people in it. And guess who wrote the book? Who wrote the book? Neil, what's my middle name? Guyman. Oh, uh, yeah. This movie only made $137 million at the box office. Yeah. It, like, it had all this buildup, and then, like, everyone and their mom, like, foo-fooed at it. Yeah, what happened? What happened to this movie? I don't, I don't remember it being a bad movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that seeing Robert De Niro not play, like, a serious mobster? I don't know. Man, Charlie Cox looks young in these cast pictures. Well, these all these pictures. people would have to be young. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, man, I'm going to go. You, uh, you go back and watch Fifth Element. I'll go back and watch Stardust. Sweet. Um, My next hidden gem. And this is going to be the farthest I go out on the ledge here today. Oh, this is it. I'm bracing like, myself. Look, like, look, when I say this. There's going to be some people who laugh. There's going to be some people who maybe get angry. I don't know. But I'm just going to say it because we've ignored it for too long. We've pretended like we don't care. And I'm here to say that Girl You Know It's True, the album by Millie Vanilli, is actually a banger. That's a banger of an album. <laughs> it's a great album. And we, and we have to hate it now because they didn't actually sing it. Um does this album have Blame It on the Rain? Yes. Okay, I'm with you. It's got Blame It on the Rain, Girl You Know It's True, Baby Give Me Your Number. <laughs> like, <laughs> this album had four number one hits on it. It's a banger. It's a banger. Whoever was singing did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Fab and Rob. Oh, and as I was studying for this recording today, and I wanted to talk about... Millie Vanilli and like the boy, they won a Grammy for best new artist that got revoked later, but there's actually a documentary coming out on this, this fall on Paramount plus there's so, a Millie Vanilli doc and we've got to do that one. Yes. We've got to do a what's up doc on the Millie Vanilli one. Cause I am all about this album. Listen, when young Dave had this cassette tape and played <laughs> the nerd out of it. And I'm a little ashamed now that when it got came out that they were lip syncing that I threw it away. I didn't want to listen to it anymore. And now I'm just like, you idiot. Why? It, was, it didn't make the music not good. It just made those two guys not credible. I mean, there was something, a piece of it that made it made you feel like you were getting, you got lied to. It's like a relationship where you got lied to basically. And so you end the relationship. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, that was stupid. Why did we do that? Well, because the music was good. At least it wasn't AI. Blame it on the rain when it's fall. I don't remember the words, but it was great. I that is my favorite Millie Vanilli song. So that's why I asked, is this the album that had that song on it? Oh man, it was such an amazing album. And I'm so excited to see the documentary. Although I'm not excited because it's sad. It's actually a sad it, story. It's very tragic. So Rob and Fab get all the heat for it. Even though there were tons of record executives and people in on this. It wasn't their idea. They weren't the masterminds. They were just the pawns. And and one of them, for one of them, it ends very, very badly in, mm. an, in an overdose situation. And he's like, you know, 
in and out of jail. And gosh, it's just a tragic thing. But uh, I'm just tired of not saying it. Uh, Girl, You Know It's True, the album by Millie Vanilli was a banger. Someone had to stand up for it. And still is, quite frankly. Looking forward to that documentary. What do you got? Um, so I'm going to go with an author. Okay. Um, Clive Cussler. Exactly. <laughs> so the author, I don't think is super hidden, but I think you have to be within a certain fandom to like the author or to seek out their works. So not like Stevie Spiel or not Spielberg, but Stevie King, where everyone, their mom knows Stevie King. Yep. Um, it is the writer of Stardust, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So I just read this book. Oh, my goodness. Um, it is called uh, The Ocean by the End of the Lane. Mm-hmm. And holy cow, it was good. Um, if it wasn't for Stephen King, we would, we would think of Neil Gaiman as the American you know, storyteller of this generation, I think because he gets overshadowed by Stephen King, but like he's prolific. There's so many things he's written that have been turned into shows, movies. He, we, we just got done with comics conclave, uh, Sandman, which is a creation of Neil Gaiman. Um, great series by the way on Netflix. Um, Coraline. Yeah. That movie based on a Neil Gaiman book, uh, good omens, which is a, was a popular Amazon Prime show, and they're making a second season, even though like it just covered the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, American ne- Gods is a and, Neil Gaiman thing. Yeah, uh, and evidently Norse mythology is really good. But yes, yeah, so Neil Gaiman, The Ocean at the End of the Lane. If you're looking for an off the beaten path good book, especially- what, what kind of genre are we talking about here? Oh, it's. Okay, let's see. Is it mysterious? It is mysterious, so I can give you the start of it without spoiling. So it starts off, the narrator is a guy, he's leaving a funeral, Um, he's driving, and he drives past where his childhood home used to be, but it's been torn down. Oh my gosh, is this book about me? It might be. Uh, He keeps driving, and he ends up at the end of the lane, and he goes to up to the house where his childhood friend that he was only friends with during one summer because she moved away to Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, She, uh, he goes to the home and he sees this woman that looks like her grandmother. So he assumes it must be her mother and he talks to her and then he goes and he's like, where's uh, the girl's name's Letty. Where's Letty's ocean at? That's what she called it. It's a pond. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to the pond and then he gets lost in the memory of that summer. Wow. And then there's a bunch of twists and turns and a lot of mystery involved. And like, oh, it was really good. You really sold that for me. I'm 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 in. That sounds great. And it's only 240 pages, and it's a quick read. Yeah. Uh my last thing, was that your last thing? I have one more, but Okay, my last thing um, is comic book related. Back, back in the day, in the late 80s, the comic books in Marvel 
they the way they ran was there was a monthly issue for most of them and they that was the ongoing story and then they would generally in the june Jul, july august months they would each title would come out with something called an annual so mm-hmm. the annual was like a double or triple sized book compared to the normal monthly issue and it usually told a standalone story well in the late 80s and scotty would be a great resource on this stuff in the late 80s marvel decided that they were going to do a running story throughout all the annuals and they started with a a story called the evolutionary war that featured as the villain the high evolutionary who we just saw in guardians of the galaxy 3 um and basically here here's the description Uh, The storyline was the first of its kind, uh, Wikipedia says. Um, But the high evolutionary is revealed uh, to have survived some previous uh, storyline where he looked like he died and rededicated himself to guiding and enhancing the evolution of humanity so that his race may one day be supreme to all others, including a character's, a bunch of characters called the Beyonders. To this end, he initiates several concurrent efforts to accelerate human evolution and, and eliminate perceived threats to mankind's genetic purity. So it runs through all the stories. The high evolutionary is the bad guy and all this, but he mixes it up with other bad guys through the course of all these, like Apocalypse appears from the X titles. Um, and uh, like it just runs through every story. It was really cool. It was the first time they actually did something like this. The next year, they did something called Atlantis Attacks which was uh, all about, so Namor, who we met in Wakanda Forever. Namor? <laughs> yes, has been away. And Atuma, who we also met in Wakanda Forever, uh, kind of is in charge of Atlantis, and he leads a uh, an assault of the, uh, the, the above world. As one does. And all the heroes have to fight this and, and find wherever it is that Namor or Namor has gone. And how he's doing it. And, and I just remember these fondly uh, for the longest time I had all these issues. It makes me want to go find them again so I can read it. And like, there's something about getting each issue. I don't want a collection. I want to go find each issue and, and find them and read them because I just, they have a special place in my heart. So I'm like the exact opposite. I want you to give me the graphic novel <laughs> so then I can just binge it. And I don't have to like, track down where's issue three out of seven i don't have issue three where's issue three so that that's how i am i i i want it all bound together uh well then you can get the evolutionary war omnibus on uh amazon the hardcover for 250 dollars. great googly moogly (laughs) it's apparently it's out of print uh or you can just get it on the marvel app I hate doing it on yeah. like e-readers. It's and not stuff. it's not nearly as fun to read it on the digital thing, but it might be your only choice with this one. I don't like it. Okay. I'm well, never going to dance again. Like, look, this story, the high evolutionary, the evolutionary war story runs like it starts off with the X Factor annual, which is like one of the X teams. Then it goes to the Punisher. And then the Silver Surfer. So you're just all over the map. And this story runs through each of the uh, each of these characters' annuals. And I just think I I remember at the time just thinking it was really really cool. It was a really really cool idea. Nito Burrito. Yeah. Okay. So my last one. Mm-hmm. It is music related. 
Okay. We usually don't dive into the musics too much. It won't be as good as Millie Vanilli. It won't. Or it will. Um, <laughs> so it's rock related. Um, comes out of South Carolina. Is it Living Color? Because Living Color was amazing and they don't get enough credit. Anyways, go on. Um, but they started in the year 2000. Okay. It's a band. Um and it's the most famous band you've never heard of, unless you listen to KFEX. Okay, so it's not Hootie and the Blowfish. It is not Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish. <laughs> I thought we were going Hootie there for a minute. <laughs> no, Hootie is, I think, appropriately rated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might be the most appropriately rated band of all time. They're they not overrated. Be. They're not underrated. They just are. They just are who they are. Needs to breathe. Is oh, yeah. my my band I'm going to list. Um, they have great songs. Um, if you want to check them out, I would recommend starting with Brother, featuring mm-hmm. a Gavin DeGraw. Okay. Um, Washed by the Waters, also a really good one to just dive into. Um, and then you can venture off from there. They They cover kind of a wide spectrum within the rock, Sometimes their music gets uh, very faith-based. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. And so they are like kind of that late 90s, early aughts band of like, we're Christians in a band, but we're not necessarily a Christian band. Yeah. And their music, when, even when it does get spiritual, is not specific. Yes. It, you wouldn't, if, if you were listening to it and you weren't aware you probably would remain unaware. Multiplied's about as like super religious as it gets because yeah. they do say God of mercy, but that's like it. How much of their relation to their spiritual side has hurt them in the awareness level? Because I think you're right. I think Need to Breathe is one of the best bands out there. Like at all bands. I think they're that good. And yet you just don't, you don't hear them in the circles of, great bands so and it's weird because you will hear their music in very random popular venues yeah um like espn had it for like their college game day for basketball season Mm -hmm. one year um it was in a lego commercial once and it was in some uh um, Kristen Bell movie and like they have songs that are just out there and you'd be like I think I've heard this but like you don't know them. Mm-hmm. And Paramount did many years ago a documentary about like they were at this critical juncture. They were actually performing and headlining a concert at Madison Square Garden. And like the band's like kind of teetering on whether they'll s- stay together or not. And they stayed together, spoilers. For the most part, one of them left, but. Honestly, the past two albums have been really great. So yeah. check them out. Need to Breathe is amazing. Their last live album is one of the best live albums I've ever heard. Bear Reinhardt might have the best voice any male singer of the rock genre has ever used. So yeah. that's that's um, heinous Axl Rose slander, but I, I'm with you. Um, old <laughs> Axl Rose. Old Axl, the voice is gone. Yes. He's, he's gone the Steve Perry route where he just doesn't have it anymore. But in his prime. I can't remember what animated uh, 
adult cartoon show did they say that oh they said that he kind of sounds like the 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 perverted old guy off a of family guy now like when he <laughs> sings <laughs> so yeah poor axel rose <laughs> giggity yeah so uh, sorry uh, for that oh man at the end but yes okay. need to breathe need to breathe is an excellent band you should check them out on spotify if you haven't hey Thanks for listening to the pod. If you tell us what your hidden gems are uh, in the world of books or music or TV or movies, we gave a lot of avenues. We didn't bring up any video games. No. Uh, but I'm sure there's video games out there, like any Romance of the Three Kingdom titles. So I try that on for size. Most people are like, that's a game? Like, absolutely, it's a game. It's an amazing game. It is. Uh, if it's your bag. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Tell us what your hidden gems are and uh, do it on the social media posts for this episode. As always, if you haven't subscribed, uh, please uh, subscribe to the pod. Give us a review. It helps if you write one out and give us the five stars uh, on those uh, pod platforms. places, platforms where you can do that sort of thing. That always helps helps the uh, get seen. Um, yeah. Anything else? That was it. All right. Cue the music. It's time to go. We'll see you next time. Pop